You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Well-met fellow adventurers, it is time for the last scenario in Proving Grounds Part 6, A Visit. Begin the scenario. The conclusion of the previous part. It was the good Thane who pulled you out of here, says Thane Paul, slapping Jeb on the shoulder. I dare say, had that portal closed, we'd have never known what became of you. Don't misunderstand, Zoop. Not one among us decides your gratitude for that. It is we who owe you a debt of gratitude that will likely never be fully repaid. Thane Poland reaches down and helps you to your feet. You rise unsteadily and discover it takes a great effort to remain standing. The weariness in your limbs and the dull ache coursing through your body is like nothing you've ever experienced. Thane Fraulein. Whom we remember best as the Huntress Telepra steps forward, initiates a shoulder cross. As you reach out to meet her in the jester, she suddenly leans in close to her. I remember Soup, she whispers. Or should I continue to call you Tally's Junior? I do not fully understand how it is I can remember that which seemingly never was, and yet I have never forgotten it. Talabra pulls back and extends her left hand. There, lying in the centre of open palm, is an object with which you're all too familiar. You stare down at the platinum star coin resting in her hand. Before you quite know what is happening, Spurla leans in, in and places a tender kiss on your cheek. Thane Thorum's eyes widen, but he says nothing. No further words are exchanged. So you'll make your way to the southern edge 
edge of the basin, the company of the two Thanes. She passed by the spot where the where the body of Carliff lay. He paused for a moment and gazed down upon the empty, stony patch of earth. He turned to find both Thane Poland and Thane Pordham standing several yards to the south, partly waiting for you to catch up. Indifferent to their curious looks, you stooped down and placed the remainder of the platinum star coins on the middle of the stony patch. Then, rising to your full height, more steadily than before, you rejoin your distinguished companions, continue on your way out of the basin that weeks overwhelmingly of death. And now, the present, two weeks after you return to Twithick, in the bed chamber of your residence on the grounds of Trind Keep, you wake with a start for the third time since drifting into an uneasy sleep, based solely on the thin, pale strands of moonlight draped across the stone floor of the womb, discern the time to be less than an hour past midnight. The thick, rolling bank of fog that descends nightly to blanket the witherport, seeps slowly through the open window set high into the opposite wall, filling your bedchamber with its soft, ghostly haze. The first few jealous moments of wakeness, your eyes are drawn to the lone window. An unexpected gap in the churning sea of fog reveals a jagged sliver of a black, frigid, star-filled sky. The view proves fleeting as the wedge of sky is swiftly devoured by a swirling cloud of dense grey mist. Lying in the dark, unable to summon the will to sit up, your eyes dart about the womb, the familiar sights, many of which are little more than silhouettes in the gloom, bring you comfort, so to remind you you're back among people and places that you know, even if not everything is what you have have known. Yet, even as the well-rehearsed thoughts work to set your mind at ease, you seem to become aware of a notion, a vague, unsettling suspicion, that something here is suddenly different. The unnerving sense is a familiar one. It has plagued your quiet moments, your deepest sleep, ever since you returned to Twithick two weeks ago. This time, however, the feeling seems stronger and more persistent, though it remains as undefinable as ever. As your profound weariness momentarily supplants the vague sense of unease, attempt to recall this series of events, to inspired since that fateful day, six weeks ago, in the boulder-strewn forest, south and west of Port, Port Halleck. You clearly recall the events that took place nearly six weeks ago. In the aftermath of what came to be known as the Battle of the Basin, the two came set up camp to the west of Port Harlech. There, they follow their way. There, they allow their way forces time to recover as they begin to contemplate the next move in the wake of your almost inconceivable victory over the sorcerer Lucocan and his fearsome minions. Although I'd say Lucacan's a minion as well. Despite your overwhelming desire to approach Thane Fallen, discover what she knows about events she couldn't possibly remember, events that you now believe never took place in the manner that you recall. 
you'll find yourself uncertain how to breach the subject. Uncertain how you could even approach the one whose face has never been far from the four of your thoughts since the starry night you left her standing against the battlements atop Sargar Keep. For two days you see very little of Thane Forlan, for the woman you know better as the Huntress Telebra. Then, then, on the morning of the third day following the battle, you suddenly find yourself face to face with her on the northern edge of the encampment. You must forgive me, she says, speaking in a quiet tone, quite unlike the voice that serves to bring the soldiers under a command to order in a blink of an eye. It has all been somewhat difficult to comprehend. I know how it is that I met you, yet I know that isn't how I know you. I can make no sense of it, but I realise that I've always known. A shout wings out across the western side of the camp as a pair of scouts, dispatched barely two hours ago to make a routine patrol of the vessel, basin, suddenly return. We'll speak of this later, she says placing her hand on your shoulder. Telebras slowly leans in towards you, then suddenly draws back, removing her hand from your shoulder. The Thane smiles and turns to make her way towards the camp, apparently eager to receive the reports of her returning scouts. About to start after her, in to discover what will be intimately be reported when you spot a lone figure approaching from your left. You turn to find Thane Porrin strolling in your direction. It's not my intent to interrupt, she says, turning to watch Thane Follum as she moves across the encampment. Wanted to have a word or two with you, away from the incessant din of that gathering. Thane Porrin tells you that he and his men will start back towards Twithick in the morning. There are things that you and I should discuss, he says but they can wait until you're ready to return to Adderstone. To the Adderstone. This, this affair has left things a bit undone back home, I'm afraid. But there's nothing we can't set right again. The faint voice suddenly adopts a cautionary tone. The woads and the wilds through which they pass are teeming with brigands these days, he says, his exaggerated frown clearly betraying distaste of the harem in his mentions. The regions north and east of Lake, Lake Lyon might easily be considered an untamed frontier for their lawlessness. Confess that I travel in a company not particularly inviting to waylevers, but travelling alone might prove to be somewhat <laughs> the thing pauses for a moment, and then closing his eyes shakes his head. And to think I need to be giving you advice of this nature, he says, laughing. Or to think that even dozen brigands would be bold enough to, well, never mind any of that. Sometimes forget myself. By the way, Zoop, how do you fancy that pendant I let you borrow? His quick mention of the pendant catches you off guard. Though you quickly recall the wooden pendant he gave you just prior to your departure for Sarnguard. A journey you are now certain never took place. Draw out the pendant. In response to the Thane's inquiry, you are shocked to discover the wooden griffin is now whole, with only a small mark crossing its carved surface. <gasps> it's been changed! The griffin pendant. Four mille waiting, 
four stamina points, one spirit, and one luck. That's just the one stat I need, is one luck. Well, I'm going to be equipping this white now. I'm going to swap out the blood, blood crystal, which I will soon be returning to tallies, for the griffin pendant. I now have one more NMR, one more SP, and I finally have 20 in all the stats. Yes, which will give me a slight advantage in some places. View. And here's, here's the description. This woven pendant, carved in the likeness of a griffin in fight, flight, bears a deep gash across its front, the result of a mighty blow from an axe. A blow that Thane Poland has told you told you has come very near to ending his life. Thane reaches out and you politely hand me the pendant, suddenly recording, though he seems to conflict with other enemies, that he indeed used the term borrow when he gave a curious item to it. Thane Poland studies the pendant for several moments and then promptly hands it back. Continue to borrow it! For as long as you like, he says, smiling. Remind that no harm comes to it. And now, dear friend, perhaps we can take ourselves over to the fire and see what's become of the stew. I dare say I may be moved to wait, should it have been over the flames too long. The encampment breaks up shortly after dawn on the following morning. Thane Poen tells you that he... He will return to Twithick on the road that will take him and his sizeable force, the western half of the old north wood, and then along the eastern shore of Lake Orion. We might just turn out a few of those brigands I've mentioned on the way, he says, as he adjusts the pack strapped to the back of his horse. A sorry lot they'll find themselves, as that proves true, Zook. I wish you a safe journey, my friend. Until next we meet. You meet the Thane in a shoulder cross and step back to watch as he mounts his steed and wides to the front of the departing column of horse mercenaries. He stops and speaks with Thane Fallen as he reaches the edge of the camp before turning the west to the west and urging his horse into a steady trot. The war of the departing hoofbeats, like the rumble of distant thunder, gradually evades to neither sight nor sound of Thane Poland and his company of mercenaries remains to be had. It is then that you spot Telebra approaching, the master huntress, now known to all as Thaneful Iron, smiles and asks you to walk with her she makes her way to the east, while the soldiers under her command continue to pick up the camp. I, for one, am glad to see him go, Tiberia said, smirking. Felons is a good man, Zoop. Don't think I don't believe always. Your boy tends to lend a certain... I don't know. In any event, he'll give the brigands something to worry about. Really, I, you really don't know how many times I had to hear about those brigands over the last couple of days. Seated on the top of a small hill overlooking the road that leads up to Port Halleck. You speak at length with Turbola, attempting to glean from the conversation as many details relating to recent events, events that involved you as you can. 
Telepro is not without her own questions, and at last, seeing no reason to conceal what what you yet recall of a time and place, that 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 one that no longer that is one that is no longer the one you occupy. Events that have either transpired differently than you clearly recollect or never happened before. Decide to give her a full account of all you remember. The Thane, who apart from the lofty title, remains the same woman you do, and a past that you alone are able to remember, listens without interruption as you present a detailed and startling narrative. Now, whew, now if you've been listening to that, you're going to know that's a long narrative. I mean, you might be able to skip some bits, but not much. We want to tell the full story. Apparently, what? A dozen hours, maybe? Your account begins in Migsbrough and ends with the victory over Lucacan in the forest base. Wait, it's not just proving grounds, it's. it's all everything on Sarngard, too. It's going to take days <laughs> to tell the entire story. Less than two miles from where the two of you now sit. As as the count begins in Migsprawl and ends with your victory over Lucacan in the forest basin. Less than two miles from where the two of you now sit. As your account concludes, Tabella leans forward and embraces you, pressing her cheek into yours. I remember that day in the woods, she said. As her thoughts have lingered on your description of the man, the young child caught in the goblin ambush. I've always known something, Zoop, yet I can never put my finger on it. You must know that it's all just a bit overwhelming. Tenable asked several questions to directly related to your astonishing count, and then tells you she doubts not a single word. I met you only a couple of years ago, of course, she says. And yet, I have always known you. You explain the mystery, though I do not know that it would ever have sought its unwinding. I'm account to allow some things to go and explain, though after all, those things which to my mind do not require an explanation. Without warning, Celebra leans forward and kisses you gently. Then she leaps to her feet and smiles, waving her hand in the direction of the camp. We've managed to avoid packing away even a single stick, she says, grinning. Got to get those soldiers back to the basin. We'll be standing over over the spot until our replacements arrive. And you, Zoop, you've got to be on your way back to Twithick. Heading back in, in that direction once we're finished here. But I'll not have you delaying yourself on my account. I'll find you in Twithick. Thane Porrin tells me you've got your own tower on the grounds of Twinned Keep. Most impressive. The western edge of camp, which is now almost entirely disbanded, you part with, part with Telebra, meeting her in a shoulder cross instead of an embrace. The Tysus' newest Thane, having bestrode, bestrode the illustrious title less than three years ago, smiles and looks back over her shoulder to where the soldiers under her command are packing their mounts. Little decorum is demanded from time to time, she says, still smiling. 
I'll meet up with you again in Twithick. Perhaps two months' time. If you hurry, you'll catch up with a good thing in his company before May. Day. Who's to say you won't yet have the chance to chase about some of those notorious brigands we've heard so much about? Chebra follows you a short way out the camp and again wishes you safe, safety on the road, road ahead. How's my old girl keeping these days, she says, patting Stormgate's muzzle as you mount the powerful mare and take hold of the wains. So in that other time, someone named Mezabak gave her to you. Thane Mazenbach, no less. It's a bit, bit much to churn through all at once. But I'm trying, Zoop. Tenebrous suddenly reaches up and touches your hand, before quickly stepping back and saluting you with a, with a farewell wave. You look back only once after stretch, striking out west along the road. Tenebrous, her face still turned in your direction raises her hand in a final wave before retreating into the bustle of the dispersing camp. You catch up with Thane Pond and his regiment of mercenaries, only a few miles along the road. The Thane seems genuinely surprised to see you, also evident he's thankful for your company. At least now I can count on someone to be at my back in a rough spot, he calls out in jest, electing a chorus of plain fo- Playful jeers from the battle-hardened warriors now riding two abreast on the road behind. That's how it is with mercenary Zoop, only a thin covering of instilled respect. But a better fighting lot you'll be hard-pressed to find. Now, let's keep up. Let's all keep our eyes out for brigands. <laughs> the journey to Twithick proceeds almost along the exact route Thane Poland related you before leaving the encampment outside Port Harlech, through the western portion of the Old North Wood, and then down the eastern shore of Lake Hawaiian, with one notable exception. Outside the town of Fulham, on the southeastern edge of, of the Great Lake, your mounted company overtakes a large group of brigand bandits, caught in the act of robbing a small caravan of wagons. Despite their number, the highwaymen proved to be a motley assortment of untrained fighters who quickly surrender in the face of such overwhelming odds. Several of, of the brigands are caught, caught a harsh lesson in full view of their unsavoury cohorts before the entire band is violently dispersed. The wagtag collection of robbers scatter in all directions, many of them limping and a few nursing broken bones that recedes the hands of some of the Thane's more zealous armed followers. There! What did I tell you? Thane rides up alongside him and shakes his head. The wise have been teeming with them of late. I'm not certain this was one of the more fierce band, but such... Such that we saw is all that's needed to prey on out-of-the-way places like this. Well then, let that be that. There have been outposts some miles west of here. I'll leave word that they're to send a few of their men up this way to keep watch over things. And I'll have a few words with whoever's unfortunate enough to be in command where we, when we arrive. <laughs> Nearly a month after departing with Telebra outside the Port Harlech, the walls of Twithick loom into view, just as, as the long shadows of a late summer evening 
began to blanket the hills and forests surrounding the Witherford. At the thane's insistence, he wived with him and his wary men through the darkening streets to Twinned Keep, where a sizable and welcome feast awaits the company's arrival in the fortress's grand hall. We call the, the thane, sending word ahead of his impending arrival only yesterday, though you hardly expected the formality to result in an event quite so extravagant. As the meal concludes and the hall cheers, his mercenaries return to their various quarters on the ground of the keep and elsewhere in the city. Thane Point hands you a silver vessel filled to the brick through its whim with root wine. May it chase away the weariness of our long road, he says, drowning, downing the potent spirit in a single swallow. Now, I trust you'll excuse me, Soup. I bet I've not looked upon for, for at least the last six months is calling to me. If I'm to be up to bedtime, if I'm to be up bedtime, up betimes, then I'd better go to it. It is my distinct honour to share the journey back with you, my friend. May you find sleep tonight. The present, two weeks after you return to Twithick, in the bedchamber of your residence on the grounds of Twinned Keep. You wake with a start, for one, for the third time, drifting into an uneasy sleep, based solely on the thin, pale strands of moonlight draped across the stone floor of the womb. You discern the time to be less than an hour past midnight. The thick, rolling bank of fog that descends nightly to blanket the witherports seeps slowly through the open window set high on the opposite wall. Filling your bedchamber with soft, with, a, with its soft, ghostly haze. In the first few delirious moments of wakefulness, your eyes are drawn to the lone window. An unexpected gap in the churning sea of fog reveals a jagged sliver of a black, frigid, star-filled sky. The view plodes fleeting as the wedge of sky is swiftly devoured by a swirling cloud of dense grey mist. Lying in the dark, unable to summon the will to sit up, your eyes dart about the womb, the familiar sights, many of which are little more than silhouettes in the gloom, bring you comfort and serve to remind you that you're back among people and places that you know, even if not everything is what you have known. Yet, even as the well-rehearsed thoughts work to set your mind at ease, you seem to become aware of the notion, a vague, unsettling suspicion that something here is suddenly different. The nerving sense is a familiar one. It has plagued your quiet moments, your deepest sleep, ever since your return to Twithick two weeks ago, this time ever. Uh, the feeling seems stronger and more persistent, though it remains as undefinable as ever. Are you awake? A soft, distinctly monotone voice shatters the silence and nearly stops your heart. You attempt to spring up into a seated position and face the gloom-filled corner from which the dreaded, dreadful sound emerged, but are instead overcome with horror when you realise you are no longer able to move. 
and unyielding, invisible force has bound you to the bed. Although out of all the places to be bound to by an unyielding, invisible force, a bed's probably one of the best ones. As long as they so don't bound you for several days and you get bed sores. You instinctively strain against invisible bonds that secure you to the bed, but find that apart from your eyes, you're unable to twitch a single muscle, despite a valiant effort to suppress a rising wave of panic. You're shaken to the core as you realise, with growing horror, you're incapable of making even the slightest sound. Don't attempt to free yourself, continues the soft, uninflected voice. There is no hope in such a struggle. You needn't fear, though, for I have not come here to affect your undoing. That you will ultimately tend to yourself. I have come to repay a debt long overdue. Straining your eyes against the dark in an effort to put a face to the sinister voice, you catch sight of a tall, vaguely human shape stirring the northwest corner. The long, willowy silhouette, obscured by a thick mist that continues to drift in through the window, since it seems to detect your gaze and retreats into the gloom, disappearing entirely. A deep silence falls over the chamber, and for a few moments you begin to believe your shadowy visitor has departed, and with a sudden return, heard of the soft voice which now bears the slightest hint of emotion again fills you with a strange, undefinable sense of dread. It's improbable that you remember me, though in my present form it is inconceivable that you will recognise me for who I am. Time and again I warned you not to meddle, not to interfere with a matter you still have no hope of understanding. And yet, you persisted, and you still persist to plot a ruinous course. The black silhouette, now less human in appearance, emerges from the darkness and moves silently to the end of the bed. Swirling bands of thick grey mist seem to follow the figure, obscuring and perpetually distorting its form. You must now realise that you have failed in every possible way, you have destroyed nothing that could not be restored. You have achieved nothing that could not be unravelled. And it has been restored. And it has all... And it has all been unravelled. A flash of light momentarily illuminates your bedchamber, dazzling your eyes and revealing a dense cloud of grey mist hovering dust beyond the foot of the bed. Opaque, shifting space, no longer even remotely human in form, quivers at the centre of a churning tempest of fog. Suddenly, a pair of fierce blue eyes appear in the mist of the darkness. As quickly as they appeared, the eerily familiar eyes vanished, leaving you shaking in their wake. You've seen that gaze before though you cannot exactly recall where or when. In guises both familiar and unknown, I appear to you, in this time and others, 
continues the soft voice, once again devoid of any trace of inflection. My intention was only ever to prevent you from becoming involved, and yet it was not to be. You and I were even friends once, when that is not of this time and place, and it never will be. You dragged me to ruin. You destroyed that which I love. I have not forgotten. Neither will I allow you to forget. Not ever. You struggle to move, to utter a sound, to call out to the formless being. Those inky core is slowly churning, churning in, in with the thing, thick wrist. Thick mist that continues to swirl throughout the chamber, but the effort is in vain. Your head begins to swim as thoughts become a senseless jumble of sounds and images. Suddenly your mind clears, and you are immediately aware of the soft voice floating through the misty air. I will bring upon you only a sliver of the misery you have made known to me, and yet it will be enough to cast you into utter ruin, to break your mind to shatter your spirit, to turn you into the prettiest wedge you made me. You will live, but I will take from you that which matters most, or which is most beloved. You will exist to know the misery I know, the misery I will never be rid of. The soft voice fades and swiftly bends, into the whisper of night winds that continues to pass through the open window, carrying on its chill breath, dense fog that hangs low in the chamber. Your head again begins to swim. For what seems like a long while, you lie in silence, in the dark, dreading the return of the unknown voice and, the ch and its chilling message of vengeance. Suddenly, a faint gasp escapes your lips, and you instinctively sit up, no longer pinned to the bed by the invisible force that held you fast in the presence of your ghostly visitor. Your mind is clear, and the undefinable sense of fear that came upon you upon waking is gone. You slowly and unsteadily rise and make your way to the window, eager to close the shutters and stem the flow of the frigid mist continues to pour into the chamber. Already the unsettling counter seems almost dreamlike for a fleeting moment as you return to your bed. You're not entirely certain it ever took place. Seated on the edge of the bed, you spend several moments staring into the corners of the womb, seeking any evidence that will support the fresh but rapidly fading memory. The hour directly preceding dawn, and the morning following the unsettling village, now seems more like a dim memory of some hideous nightmare, found you seated on a broad flat rock on the edge of Withertwind, Wither just outside the city. A slow, rolling bank, bank of fog drifts eastward across the silent, churning waters of the mighty flow, adding to the damp chill of the day's outset. You've not yet had the chance to make mention of the disturbing encounter, and decide it best to collect your thoughts on the matter before even attempting to relate it to anyone. However, the strange visit, imagined or not, 
is no longer foremost on your mind. You stare down at the somewhat crumpled moat resting across your leg. You've read it perhaps a dozen times since the light became adequate. As you left your residence on the grounds of Twinned Keep, eager to escape yet another restless night and enjoy the peaceful solitude of the late summer sunrise over the Witherport, you found a wax-sealed note tacked to your door. The red wax was pressed with the seal of Thane Forlan, better known to you as Telebra. Discovery immediately filled you with a gnawing sense of apprehension. With the sealed note clutched in your hand, you swiftly stroll through the darkened streets of Twithick and slipped out through the city gates, receiving only a nod and a wave from the guards, despite your obvious violation of the curfew. A short stroll along several well-worn footbacks took you down from the main road and into a shrewdy glen between two steep, boulder-strewn stretches of Witherbank, directly across from one of the Withers' more pronounced elbows. There, seated on a four-black rock, you waited for the pale glow of the coming dawn to provide you with enough light by which to examine the note. When at last your fingers separated the ends of the paper at the seal, and your, and your eyes darted over the flowing script that filled almost the entirety of the folded sheet, you were surprised to learn that the message from Telebra was informing you that she was, by the order of the Crown, to immediately prepare to depart for Sargard Isle. The surprise that accompanied both your first and second readings of the note was quickly replaced by a renewed sense of apprehension, when upon your third reading, you suddenly found your eyes wandering over a trailing passage you didn't recall seeing previously. As you read the newly found portion of the message, the gnawing fear that first took hold of you upon your discovery of the notes returned with vengeance. A vengeance. You are all but convinced that the passage in question was not there prior to your third reading of the note. Alright, someone's messing with time. You sigh heavily and shudder as a cool, frost-laden breeze sweeps up the riverbank, slicing through a thick band of whitish mist, now illuminated by the first golden waves of the rising sun. Again, you read the note. My dearest soup, I pray this letter finds you in good health, and yet you will forgive the hurried nature of this correspondence. By the order of our king, I am about to depart for Sangard Isle, without delay, so that I may oversee the reclaiming of the island, and the rebuilding of its once mighty keep. It's a mission that I gratefully accept, though I regret beyond any words that I had hoped to convey that will take me further away from you. I ask, therefore, at your earliest convenience, that you join me on the isle. Our ship, the San Hal, yay, also, they're also alive, will have sailed from Port Halleck by the time this letter reaches you. Winter will soon be upon us, so I entreat you to seek out the passage to the isle. 
Charlotte before San becomes too treacherous and endeavour to consider. consider. And eagerly await the moment where I will again be able to look upon you. May the All-Father guide and protect you. Your eyes dot to the bottom of the paper where, in a slightly smaller, more jagged script, the note continues with the passage you do not recall noticing until your third reading of the message. I dare not go into detail here. It is only proper to me to tell you that I've begun to suspect that, that the reason for my hastened departure is connected, at least in part, to some of what you related to me just before parting in Port Hayek. It seems that the first expedition to the Isle has uncovered something in the ruins of the keep, something apparently worthy of my immediate oversight. You need the note perhaps six more times before folding it into your palm and pressing it against your knee. Then, with a purposely exaggerated sigh, you turn your gaze out over the frigid river's dark, churning, fog-covered surface. Seated upon the broad, flat rock at the water's edge, with your feet drawn up to your perch and your hands clasped just beneath your chin, you stare out across the flowing expanse, watching as the dissipating fog eddies about the river's shallow, shadowy, reflective surface. Suddenly, your eyes dart upstream, a dozen yards from the shore. Slipping silently out of a dense, roiling bag of fog is the dark silhouette of an empty skiff. The small, unmanned drift craft drifts unsteadily past before quickly disappearing into a wall of mist to the south. With, with the note still tucked into the palm of your hand, you rise and stretch, momentarily fixing your gaze out over the wither in the direction of the wayward boat. You reason, you, you reason that the lonely skiff is now easily a hundred yards south, swiftly and surely follow a course and take it far from its moorings, out across the walk deep deep waters of Moonlight Moonlight Lake, and beyond that into the very heart of the kingdom. Dawn's gnawing chill has already begun to ebb beneath the glow of the swiftly rising sun when you finally turn away from the wither and head back towards the city. The road leading up to Witherport is, as yet, deserted. And as you draw up to the towering arch that offers passage into the city, the guards gathered beneath the way's wartime Pacolis greet you with indifferent nods, winding your, your way towards the stirring city's eastern sector. Thoughts continue to return to the note still pressed into the palm of your left hand. The face of Telegraph, ever foremost in your mind, steals resolve for the prospect an impending journey to the source of Sangara, a journey that you will undoubtedly undertake in the days to come. You decide upon your arrival in Twinned Keep that you will seek out Thane Pond, if only for the immediate purpose to discover whether or not Twithic's overlord, who is certain enough to have risen long before the break of day, has any has any pet palo stewing over the fire. Then, carefully, without discussing the two reasons behind your request, 
or making any mention of the strange events of last night, you'll inquire about finding passage across the Sarn. That finishes this, the final scenario, with 256 experience to general. It's a very small reward because it was a quest with no challenge at all. Just reading words. Congratulations, Zoop. You've completed the sixth Cruising Grounds adventure, the Alder Throne. Your completion of this long and difficult adventure was no small feat. You will soon be able to return to Sarngard for a series of follow-up adventures. Well done. So, I've got 8,192 experience to general, 2,048 experience to all skills and powers, and most importantly of all, your final score of 100% places you in the First Order of Adventurers, the Order of the Archmaster Adventurer, entitling you to a reward of 64 Adventurer tokens. Again, well done, Zoop. So there we are, 64 Adventurer tokens. So that's more than twice what you'd get from a regular Proving Grounds Adventures. Because this one was huge. It was huge. As you would know if you've listened to all of these episodes. Or even just saw the list of them. So that's that. Okay. Now let's see if I can meet up with Thane Pollen. Just gonna see. I don't think I can. But there's, there's a new adventure has turned up somewhere. Explore the city, eastern part, residence. Pay a visit to Thane Pond. You're told by one of Thane Pond's guards, Thane Pond's guards, that Thane is not currently in his residence. Thanking the guard, prepare to set off on your way. Alright, leave the keep, enter the city, city gates. Now, and that, so what is this new adventure? Okay, uh, something, something. Probably an arrival, that seems like it's a new one. Maybe we'll do that next time. Maybe we'll do something else. But until then, farewell, fellow adventurers. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.